Legacy. My name is Patrick. I am your Legacy newbie. Uh, we kind of doing a deck tech this week. Um, we are going to be talking about uh, Turbo Depths, and we have uh, Tom on the cast. What's going on, Tom? How much? How you doing? I'm doing really well, man. I'm doing really well. So really excited to talk about the deck. Um, you know, Jerry isn't joining us this week. Unfortunately, he has uh, some work commitment issues going on, so uh, he is uh, going to sit this one out. But it's going to be you and me. We're going to talk about Turbo Depths, and this is a deck that uh, we actually have been talking about on the Facebook page a little bit. Um, I actually had someone on Twitter talking to me about the deck as well. They are just getting into Legacy, and this is going to be their first deck. Um, and I figured it would be a great time to, to have you on. It's it's having great results. You've had great results with the deck. And, um, you know, we can do a little kind of deep dive, like a, but a, a level one deep dive, I'd call it, on uh, on the deck today. So um, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Tom? Oh, yeah, I'm just from the I'm from Ben Salem, the Philly area suburbs. I've um, been playing Magic since Urza's block, um, so I've been a long time. Um, that was a that was a combo format <laughs> for blocks, so I've always been, my heart's always been kind of a combo player. Uh, I played Standard for a few years and then got out of the tournament scene, just more of a casual player until a little over two years ago. Um, Star City had a random legacy open in my backyard. It's like 20 minutes from my house, and I'm also a dog lover, and at the... <laughs> Even though it was the Star City Philly, it was in Oaks, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and uh, right next door in the convention center was a uh, was a dog convention. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like it's my two of my biggest interests together in the same place. <laughs> so uh, I just threw together a deck at random and went and had a blast and uh, been playing since. What what goes on at a dog convention? Do people bring their actual dogs? I imagine they must, right? It it depends. Sometimes they're actual dog shows where they're literally competing, like best in breed, best mm-hmm. in show kind of thing. And sometimes it's more of a more of like convention where they'll have vendors and you can buy things for your dog or you know artists that'll draw things up. Or, oh, that's cool. It can be a little bit of everything. <laughs> oh man, that's great. So um. So uh, what kind of uh, what kind of decks do you play in Legacy? I know we, we know you play uh, Turbo Depths. Obviously, we're talking about it today. But is there anything else that that's caught your fancy, you know, previously or currently? Um, yeah, I play a little bit of everything. Uh, Magic Online is really great at that. You can just switch between decks relatively easily, mm-hmm. um, and it's easy to trade the cards back and forth if that's what you need to do. Um, I've been lucky enough with Depths that it's helped me build my collection a little bit, so I get to play a little bit of everything. The idea I had originally was that I would start building the decks that I was having trouble with and try and play the other side of matchups to get a really good understanding of what they were trying to do and how their deck operated and things like that. And there really aren't too many decks I don't enjoy playing. Um, at first, I was of the opinion that I despised Miracles <laughs> as a deck type just because, you know, you get blind counterbalanced a couple times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just... You want to hate the deck, um, but recently I've been testing um, against Curtis. Most more player, more people might know him as Dian Salver. Mm-hmm. He's been trying to he's been trying to perfect his turbo depth sideboard against Miracles. So I've been playing the Miracle side, and uh, I'm really hesitant to admit it, but I've been enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like it's a deck that gives you lots of decisions, and the the better of, a, of a, the better you are against the deck the better your percentages come it's it's a lot like i equated it to a lot like grixis where like a lot of your matchups kind of feel 50-50 maybe a little favorable maybe a little you know unfavorable but the better you are with the deck that's where you get all your edges and you can make the deck feel like 60-40 against a lot of the field if you're really good with it 
Yeah, yeah, the deck's been enjoyable. I, I used to play a little bit of vintage, and I enjoyed like the Gifts on Givens deck back in the day before before that was banned. When it was actually good, and just old decks that have a ton of lines and a ton of decisions, I really enjoy. So I don't know that I'm gonna. I think I still dislike it enough to not run it in the leagues because everybody, more people do than don't. So, but but yeah, it's actually been enjoyable. So I'll play anything really. I will definitely say that, like as when I first started playing Legacy and I was on Blue Red Delver, Miracles would really give me fits, and it was it took me a long time to kind of figure out what's going on in that matchup to where I could at least feel like I was competent enough to steal some games away from them and win some matches versus Miracles. Um, it, it frustrated me so much that I built Eldrazi, which had a very, very good Miracles matchup, even though the deck is plays very differently from the, uh, the Blue Red Delver deck that I really enjoy. Um, so it was, it was enough to force me off a deck that I really, really like playing, so... Uh, I feel your pain with that. I'm not not a not a fan of uh of miracles, but I think the longer you're in the format, the better you get to know the matchups. Probably the more you can tolerate and also come to appreciate the deck a little bit. Yeah, I think that goes across the board for Legacy. It's a yeah. very very much know your deck format. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so last week, um, the only Legacy I really got the chance to play was was in the Legacy League. Uh, I ended up going two two. Not too much to talk about. I actually did face against you in round one and was able to steal the match from you. With some very timely top decks, I was playing um, Carlos Eldrazi. Um, did you get a chance to run through any leagues, or you have any good uh, local tournaments come come your way last week? I haven't been able to, sadly, I haven't been able to make a paper tournament since last August yeah. um, due to commitments at home and things like that. Um, so I've been mostly online. The year before that, I played a ton of paper magic, but recently I haven't gotten to. I went through two leagues this week. I went 4-1 in both leagues, dropped a match, a really good match to Miracles, and uh, dropped a match, a really, really strange match to uh, mono red with the uh, blood moons and. Was it like up, uh, the Stompy deck, or was it like? The, yeah, it was the it was the Rabble Master. Okay. Version. Uh, he got down an early Rabble Master. Um, I had the combo set up and fought through. Like I just, I literally ended up hitting three moons out of his hand with. Jeez. Yeah, he had the Magus <laughs> and the other moons. Um, I had to. Literally use a discard spell to take a Chrome Mox so that he couldn't slam it one turn <laughs> to set up the combo. Um, but he got a Rabble Master down that clocked me close enough to death that he had one turn. Oh, what's that guy's name? Simprot. He had a Simprotter out. Yeah. So he had he got me down to nine with a Rabble Master with three tokens, and the Simprotter removed revealed a, another Blood Moon, and I was dead on board um, to the swing if I didn't give it to him, and took the three damage, so I had to give him the card, and the card he drew for the turn was the Thunder... Whatever the Flying Dragon is that I'd never seen in Legacy before this match. It's like a 4-3 or a 4-4. Four, four. Is it like Thundermaw? Is that what it is? Regent or something like that. Oh, uh, Thunderbreak Regent? Yeah, that. Yeah. He played He played that, <laughs> and I didn't have... Uh, and the Blood Moon that I had to give him. So... I couldn't tutor for step, so he blocked with the flyer and then killed me on the swing back. So, so yeah, two four ones, a red loss, and a miracles loss. <laughs> yeah, the, that's. I mean, those are the breaks, unfortunately. Yeah, Thunderbreak Regents, two red red for a four four flyer. And let's see, whenever you, whenever a dragon control becomes the target of a spell or ability, an opponent controls Thunderbreak Region deals five damage to that player or three damage to that player. Sorry. Yeah, that's interesting. I, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know enough about that archetype to know if that's better than additional uh, planeswalkers or the mode catcher version or anything like that. Yeah. But it surprised me. Interesting. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So um, 
let's get right into the deck. So this week we're going to be talking about Turbo Depths. Um, now, I'm under the understanding that there's kind of two builds of this, or at least two builds that I'm familiar with. Um, the one I'll reference kind of like is is the Curtis-style build um, that's just black-green, um, Hex Depths, um, and, but you are running sort of a, a variation on that, and you've actually splashed uh, blue, so you're kind of running a Bug Depths deck. Um I figure we can sort of run down the deck list there um, and explain any cards that are maybe the average legacy player may not be as familiar with. With the black green version or with the black With your version, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, it's pretty... Most of these cards see some amount of legacy play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, even Gemstone Mines sees some play in, in regular Dredge versions. Um I guess I guess Sajiri Step is one of the weird ones. That is definitely one that can get you when you can crop rotate for that. <laughs> yeah, so it's basically a counter spell with crop rotation for any targeted removal. Um, the, I think the the job it's used for more often than that though is just to make it unblockable. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've pushed through like against the Lauren, I've pushed through four flying blockers um, with it. Obviously, it goes through Delver, it goes through Marilage from other lands decks. Mm-hmm. Um, just basically anything, so you know, through click against various decks. So the unblockable mode on that card is very valuable, but yeah, crop and step is as a counter spell is nice as well. Yeah, that is a sweet that's a sweet little combo. Um the rest of the lands are pretty basic, like you said. Uh, you were on Parabayu, Bajuka Bog, four copies of Dark Depths, uh three gemstone mine, two misty rainforest, four polluted delta, the Sajiri step, four Thespian Stage, Trop. On uh, one underground sea, four Urborgs, two of Yogmoths, and a singleton wasteland. Yeah, so the, the mana base is a little bit different than the black green version. They're usually on 23, 24 lands mm-hmm. as opposed to 28. Um, I like this mana base a little bit better just because it's just it has way more colored sources. Yeah. So so it's a little bit more stable in my opinion. You obviously give up a little bit of speed because. Those slots are essentially like they're running Lotus Petal, but I'm running Mox Diamonds. Mm-hmm. But the dif- the difference in the slots is essentially the Elf Spirit Guides instead of lands. Right. Um, so you're giving up a little bit of speed for a little bit of a yeah, better mana base. Yeah. You could basically put those four Spirit Guides as as four more lands, and you'd be running very similar as far as numbers go. Lands packages there. Yeah, I prefer the more stable number of lands. I've lost like when I first started running the original Black Grain deck. Um, a couple of years ago, that was one of the things that frustrated me the most was mm-hmm. situations where you would just need to draw a land or the right colored source. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I prefer to hit that stuff consistently. Yeah, no, that's, I completely understand that. Um, so your deck is running just the four creatures, the four Vampire Hex Mage, uh, which is black, black for a 2 1 first strike. Um, it's a Vampire Shaman, but really the most important text on there. Is you can sacrifice the hex mage to remove all counters from target permanent. Um, so clearly this this combos very well with dark depths. But you've also kind of I've seen you use it um, either watching your matches or even against me in some other interesting ways. So what is what are some other ways that vampire hex mage can be sort of a uh, um, uh, kind of like a toolbox kind of card rather than just rather than just to enable the combo? Yeah, it's a, it's a very it's a very underrated card, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, besides the fact that it's a combo piece in this deck, it just shuts off or messes with so many cards that at first glance people wouldn't necessarily consider. Um, some of the bigger ones that it hits, uh, Chalice of the Void's a big one. 
Um, if they chalice on one and think they're safe from crop rotation or something along those lines, hex mage taking the counter off of the chalice and setting it to zero um, is really good. Unlocking your hand type of thing. Um, Ether vial is another big one. If death, one of the common death and taxes lines is getting Ether vial up to three. Um, to set up Flicker Wisp or something along those lines, so you can reset either vial counters. Um, it obviously kills Planeswalkers. Um, so everything from, you know, one of the more common things that happens is a Liliana will come down and make you sacrifice a creature, but it's just a straight trade with the Hex Mage. Mm-hmm. Killing, Jace, killing Jace is always a useful play. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say because Jace has the ability to bounce your bounce your uh, your Merit Lage token off the board, so yeah. that's so, nice to be able to get rid of him. So it's it's there's always little corner case scenarios. I mean, there's fun stuff that comes. I mean, once in a blue moon, fun stuff. Like I, I've literally been attacked for 16 or 18 damage mm-hmm. um, by infect, um, and I've also had a blight steel colossus attack me back in the day out of mud. <laughs> and Marilash blocks and gets some number of double digit minus one minus one counters, and then hex mage comes down and resets it to a 20-20. So just little things like that that you would never. You just wouldn't think, you know. I've had it take, I've had it take gemstone mine counters off against dredge opponents mm-hmm. while we're moving their bridge from balloons. Like, just there's just a ton of little uses that just pop up here and there. Plus, it has first strike, which I can't tell you the number of players that forget that. <laughs> I've had all kinds of creatures. I've literally had uh, Phyrexian Revoker naming Hex Mage attack into Hex Mage. <laughs> Like with the combo on the table. Oh no! People just people just look at it and they just assume that that's what it's there for. It's yeah. there to take the dark depths counters off, and that's it. And it can it can do some really interesting things that people aren't expecting. Like the infect player did not expect to die. You know, looking at a three three or four four Mariolage or whatever it was in that spot. It's yeah, it's a fun card. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy seeing kind of like all the weird corner cases that that card becomes just a powerhouse it's really neat to see um it's just a brick wall too i mean yeah. everything from young pyromancer to to the revoker to you know eldrazi mimic there's just a ton of creatures that just sit there and stare at it if they yeah. don't have a removal spell yeah totally. and, there's, and there's there's generally no reason on a one for one block there's no reason not to call because if they have the removal spell they're going to use it anyway and you have mm-hmm. first strike so you get to see what happens so. <laughs> yep i like it um so going into the uh, the spell package, you're running a, co- a copy of Abrupt Decay for Brainstorm, which is what the blue splash in this deck is for, and we'll get into that in a minute. Um, four Crop Rotation, two Duress, two Inquisition of Kozilek, three Sylvan Scrying, and four Thoughtseize. Um, so one thing, and correct me if I'm wrong, that I notice about this list is that you're running quite a bit more uh, hand disruption than other lists that I see around. Is that correct? Um no, not necessarily. I mean, I've seen every, I have seen less, but a lot of the black green versions are still in the seven to eight discard spells. Okay. Um, they seem to be more, more often than not. Sometimes it's similar to mine with the discard package, but more often than not, it's heavier on duress. Like you'll see like a three duress, four thought seize, or four and four. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people run less, but yeah, there are versions that run just as much discard. Any reason why you split duress and inquisition? It's kind of just a hedge. Um, in certain matchups, I'll board a discard spell out or two, mm-hmm. and there's cards that both miss. So Inquisition obviously misses like Force of Will, Sneak Attack, um, Natural Order. So it misses a handful of cards, but Duress misses a handful of cards that I want to hit too. There's situations where you need to hit Snapcaster Mage, um, you know, Click. There's a bunch of different minor annoyances. It's not as much of a card anymore, but when I originally built the deck, I was 
really getting annoyed with the Eldrazi versions that was flashing white for Displacer. Oh, yeah. So that was a thing at, at that time. Um, and sometimes just inquisitioning their clock and tempo matchups on the first turn is huge game. So you strip the Delver or the one threat out of their hands, their waste hand, their wasteland days hand is suddenly garbage. You can play around the days. You can wait through the wasteland until you set yourself up. So there are applications for both. Um, so yeah, the split is kind of with boarding in mind, knowing that I can still keep an optimal setup against certain decks. Okay. And uh, just kind of going back to the four brainstorm. So typically, this you know a lot of the the dark depths decks that we see are just your average black green dark depths deck, and you brought in blue. Uh, through Tropical Island Underground Sea, um, to play four copies of Brainstorm. And you have some kind of sideboard options here that are also blue, but can you tell us a little bit about what you feel Brainstorm does with the deck? I mean, I, it's probably the most powerful uh, card in the Legacy format, and I'm really curious to see kind of where it brings this deck, you know, sort of ahead of the tr- traditional black-green version. Well, I don't know that it's ahead. They're just sure. different well, versions. Yeah. Just a, yeah, you know, I don't want to... No, no, we're not, yeah. we're not putting any, anything down here. Just, you know, why you prefer to play it with the Brainstorm versus not. Uh, one of my biggest issues when I first started running straight black-green was the last handful of slots, and I tried a variety of different things. Like, I even um, I tried everything from the one-drop green card that lets you dig five deep for a lander artifact that I'm blanking on the name of. At the uh, is that, like, isn't that... Uh... Ancient, ancient Starings. Okay. So... I tried that, I tried the Sylvan Library plan, which just, I don't want that kind of effect to cast for two mana. Mm -hmm. I I generally want to have a setup play into a combo play. So for me, the two-drop Sylvan Library felt good in the main, but it still felt like it was slowing the deck down a little bit. Mm -hmm. And in the black-green versions, they run a card. They they run a variety of cards that I think are really situational and... And multiples are just awful. Like, I'm not a fan of Not of This World. I think it's kind of just an I gotcha card. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really good and will win you the game straight up in certain spots, but a lot of the times you can play through or around those spots anyway. And in some matchups, it's just dead. Um, they run extra pithing needles, which is which in some matchups are just dead. Like, if you're playing against Storm and you draw a pithing needle or two in the opening couple of turns, like, there's just cards you don't want to see. Um, Elvish Spirit Guide, if you're not killing them with it immediately in the first couple of turns, it's just, you know, turn five when you draw an Elvish Spirit Guide or you draw an Out of This World when they have you under Wasteland and you can't combo. Like, I think those cards are just, they're just narrow. So taking a handful of those cards out of this, out of the build of the deck and literally replacing them with the, with four copies of the best card in the format allows you to mitigate some of the other clunk that's still in the deck mm-hmm. like at the end of the day you're still even though you're running crop rotations you're still running four herb orcs mm-hmm. you know which are terrible in multiples right. um you have four mox diamonds which after the opening couple of turns and you played your lands out they're terrible top decks so you have these draws that you just don't want to see um and then on top of that you have the utility lands that you really don't want in your hand in most spots mm-hmm. so you know, you're playing against miracles or death and taxes and you have it set up where you're gonna combo off on turn two or turn three with crop rotation set up and you draw the Sajiri step. Yeah. Or against reanimate <laughs> or against reanimator when they have an, ex- or they have an entomb hand and you draw the bog mm-hmm. and there's, there's just sequences. I've won so many games by brainstorming those lands, but the utility lands back into the deck and cropping them out. Okay. Um, 
that it has some amount of utility there to, you know, hiding Cthulhu against storm, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then all of its normal uses, you know, fixing your hand, digging for mana, you know, everything that Brainstorm normally does. Yeah, who would have thought Brainstorm would make a lot of decks just a little bit better? <laughs> yeah, that's that's just my opinion, though. I mean, yeah. you're definitely giving up. The black-green version is definitely a little bit faster. And I, Yeah, and I'm not surprised to see, like, uh, our friend Curtis, who um, I, I know from playing Dark Depths, but also is big into uh, Black Red Reanimator, um, into a deck that's kind of all-in on the first couple turns. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even say that it's all-in, because the deck does have a decent amount of resiliency. Mm-hmm. Like, it has so many tutors that you're generally going to be able to find a second crack at it, even if they stop your first crack. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, de- the deck's not... It's not like they're running Oops All Spells or sure, yeah. Belcher, where they're just, you know, they stop the first attempt and you're just out of game completely. Yeah, scoop game yeah. too. <laughs> it's, not, it's not quite like that. It's just... Mm-hmm. It's just a slight, maybe about a half a turn difference. Okay. Um, and then just to finish out the deck um, in your other spells here, two Expedition Map, um, which I don't know if... This is a card that every time you play it, I have to read it because I always forget what it does, but it's a, it's an <laughs> artifact for one. Uh, two and tap to sacrifice Expedition Map. Search your library for a land card, reveal it, and put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. So this is sort of a, a slower, uh, like just a, a tutor for your lands here. Sure, it's just it's just a different um, it's just a different spot in the curve. Mm-hmm. Essentially, Sylvan Scrying is a really good card, but it's also Days Beat. Mm-hmm. So being able to play you know a map out with one up to protect it is particularly easy. Um, also, you want your land to, in my opinion, that's another difference between this and some of the black green versions. They run into the north. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want my lands to get any land. Because there's so many games where you just win on the spot if you can get the step to push through the creature, or win on the spot if you can get the bog to mess them up, or get the wasteland to play through their wasteland. And sequences where you draw into the north that can only either get a basic snow-covered land or dark depths where any other tutor would have won you the game drives me nuts. Right. So I want my tutors to all be able to get any of the lands in the deck. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you're uh, also uh, four Mox Diamond and... Two needles. Uh, needles. I'm assuming are often naming something like Caracas or Wasteland. Yeah, Wasteland's the number one. But it names. It's rarely dead. Like there are matchups like Storm where it's more or less dead, but you know it can name. It can name either Vile, Bristlebrand, mm-hmm. Sneak Attack. You know, there's a laundry list of. Uh, obviously, Top is a huge one. Yep. Um, you know, there are applications in most matchups, but. It is a little on the weaker side than others, so I don't want to be jamming. I know some versions jam four copies of it, but I think the card that it's mainly there for is Wasteland first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And I think that and I think the deck can easily play around Wasteland without hitting a needle, so I don't think it needs to be more than two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the sideboard. I mean, we can go down it real quickly. I don't know how how set in stone is this sideboard. You know, I know this is for just for a single event that we're looking at here. Is this very typical to what you normally play, or is it something that we just you know thought it would be good in the current meta? Like, is this kind of a representative of what you think a sideboard is for this deck? Or uh, it's pretty close. Yeah, I, I only change usually around two to three cards. Okay. Give or take, most of it is there for a very specific reason, and those okay. don't change. So uh, we see an, an abrupt decay, three flusterstorm, a ghost quarter, a Caracas, uh, two K grips, two more needles, a stifle, 
and surgical extraction. So um, the first thing I saw we kind of talked about in the pre-show was just blue opens you up to a few more um, uh, sideboard cards you wouldn't have available otherwise, uh, particularly Flush of Storm and Stifle, which I'm assuming are really just for your primarily for your Storm matchups. Uh, they're for they're for fast combo. Um, in particular, Fluster Storm fights through the nut draws of most of the combo decks. Mm-hmm. You know, turn one show and tell, turn one reanimate nonsense with Chancellor. Fluster Storm fights through that. Um, you know, those are the type of things. But they also have applications all over the place. Like um, Miracles players sometimes go heavy spells, so bringing in a couple of Fluster Storms to fight them has worked out well when I've done it. If I if I have a good feel for what their setup is, Stifle's actually really good against Miracles too. Mm-hmm. Counter their Terminus sure. trigger, counter the top trigger, you know, Benzer, you know, there's, it has uses and a variety. And actually Stifle's really good against lands. Um, so I think they're just a little bit more flexible and faster than the general answers other versions run are artifact-based. Mm-hmm. So when they're going, when Black Green's going against combo, the go-to cards are Sphere of Resistance, Chalice of the Void, those kind of cards. And those cards struggle with the nut draws from the other decks. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're on the if you're on the draw, and Storm's going to turn to you, unless you happen to have the Accelerant and the Sphere and other land, you're you're just kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chalice on one in particular shuts a lot of the cards in the deck off. So. Chow shuts off all the discard crop rotations um, for me, which shut off brainstorms too. Um, if they run maps, it shuts them off. So unless you're sideboarding out some number of cards, you're in a spot where you can jam Chalice and then possibly draw your one drops or yeah. have your one drops, or you try to play your one drops out first and then drop Chalice, but you might die in the in the meantime. Mm-hmm. So it's just this weird spot where. You know, in a matchup against, like, say, Miracles, I think you can make Chalice work because you can, you're not under threat of dying. You can take the first couple of turns, cast your discard spells, try and resolve a tutor, and then drop the, the Chalice the turn before you're about mm-hmm. to win. But if you're just jamming Chalice against, like, Storm or, I don't know, I'm not as big a fan of that. Yeah, okay. Um, one fun, uh, story about Stifle. Stifle is great to counter, you know, to counter the, uh, top trigger. But uh, I was playing at a local FNM style uh, at one of my local game stores here, and I tried to stifle the counterbalance trigger uh, when I cast a <laughs> lightning bolt, and that did not work out well for me. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's an article. There's an article somewhere that I read a long time ago that was basically amusing things that you can do with stifle that aren't yeah. going to work out the way you want. That was on the list. There's like four or five. It was that. The other yep. big one. The other big one that actually applies to this deck is. Uh, Letting the Thespian Sage ability resolve, yep. or, the, or the Dark Depths, if it's Hex Mage, you basically let it resolve, thinking you can stifle the <laughs> the the sack, the Dark Depths trigger, and then it automatically re-triggers. Right, yeah, it just that, keeps. <laughs> yeah, that's happened to me in tournament play. So, oh, times. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah, it was. Um, I was playing against um a Dark Depths player. Uh, I don't know. I think it was actually playing lands, but obviously they have the Dark Depths combo in there as well. And uh, we had a lengthy conversation afterwards because I had Wasteland and I couldn't remember how to sequence the Wasteland so that it it basically kind of two for ones them. Yeah. And, uh, and if you obviously if you sequence that incorrectly, you basically just lose your Wasteland and just kind of lose the game there on the spot. So um, yeah, there are some really interesting and kind of I don't want to call them convoluted because if you have a, a solid understanding of the way the rules interactions work, you'll be fine. But I am not one of those people, so yeah, it's um, hard. It's hard to get totally burned by that play. Because if you respond, if you respond to them activating the stage, 
and Wasteland the Dark Depths, you're fine. You didn't get the two for one, but they don't get the token either. Right. Uh, so you leave them with a stage, which is obviously significantly worse than the best line, but mm-hmm. you don't just die at least. And if you, and if you waste the stage in response, it's the same thing. Like right. you're, you're leaving them with one of the pieces, but you're not dead on the spot. The, the stifle line kills you. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I played, it was like eternal extravaganza two or three. I forget which I was playing against Buck Delver and it was relatively deep in the tournament too. And the player called a judge and the question he asked the judge was, can I stifle the dark dev sacrifice <laughs> trigger? And the judge looks right at him and he's like, yes. Right. So, so the guy does it. Yes, you can do that. So the guy does it and I'm like, okay, it triggers again. And he turns and looks to the judge like he wants to kill him. <laughs> he told me I could do this. And he's like, what was the question you asked me? He's like, I asked if I could stifle this. He's like, you can stifle that. I'm only allowed to answer the question you ask. And, and the sad part is, before he called the judge, I offered to walk him through it. And he looked right at me. He's like, I, you know, n- no offense to you personally, but I don't trust my opponent to, to walk me through this. And sure, it's a which is totally, totally reasonable. Completely understandable thing to say, yeah. But I was willing to walk him through it. <laughs> Um, because I just didn't want to have to sit there, you know, in a late round and have the judge explain it to him. I didn't think he was going to ask the question like that. Yeah. He just did. So it ended up, he ended up calling the head judge and uh, he interviewed me and interviewed the other judge and interviewed my opponent. And this took like 20 minutes. And there are people like huddled around just shaking their head. Like it was, it was painful, but that's. That's a lesson a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people understand that interaction. I don't. I don't think he'll ever make that mistake again, though. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. No. <laughs> um. All right. So, kind of going a little further into the deck. Um. So I know we we kind of uh, talked about you know why we're adding blue into that deck. Um. Tell me the strengths of bug depths, and it it doesn't necessarily have to be your version with the blue, but just like the hex depths deck in general. Uh, hex depths in general is just. <sighs> Considering it doesn't run the full cantrip cartel, you know, there's no, the, the regular version runs none of them, and even my version doesn't run any kind of ponders or additional draw spells. Considering that, it's amazingly consistent. Like, it'll basically have the combo set up on turn three or turn two sometimes more often, like way more often than not. Like, it's kind of surprising if you don't have it on turn three. Um, so being able to consistently present the same, the same issue, for a lot of decks is, is really strong. Um, a lot of decks in the format just can't handle it because of the angle it attacks from. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at the main decks of a lot of legacy decks and try and see how many cards can actually answer a Mary Lodge, there's m- many, many decks that have none or only a handful of cards. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just attacking from an angle that most decks aren't equipped to handle or a lot of decks aren't equipped to handle. Um, it's surprisingly effective at disrupting the opponent and fighting through eight. Um, one of the things opponents often say to me, um, or people that are standing around, like after a match I played, you know, they'll like go, "Oh, you know, of course you won. He, he didn't see, he didn't play against the Wasteland deck, or he didn't play against the Swords of the deck, or whatever." Mm-hmm. But the deck doesn't fold to those cards. Right. It has it has a number of answers to more or less any situation that comes up. You know, it, it doesn't have, have auto lose matchups. It's, it's just it's surprisingly effective. It's not the glass cannon a lot of people think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing is people misplay against this deck all the time. Not just like the stifle things, but even in the online leagues, which are usually better players, 
um, you see any number of decks that just run their game plan against you like they're playing against a normal deck. I can't tell you the number of times I've played against a Delver player that just straight up wastelands my first land, even if it's like, even if I play Urborg Duress or something like that. Yep. They'll just flat out, you know, play wasteland, waste wasteland my land because they have a Delver in play, and, right. and that's their and that's their game plan. They're, they're just gonna just gonna clock you with Delver, not realizing that if they just clock you with Delver while sitting on wasteland. At the very least, they're stalling you out by an additional turn to make you go get a wasteland or go mm-hmm. school. And depending on your tutor, you know, if it's a Sylvan Scrying or an Expedition map, they're going to have a window where you can't combo them and they can delay you even further. So just sitting on a wasteland can set you back any number of, at least a turn and any number of turns on top of that, which is sometimes enough for them to get you with the creature. But they just, oh, my game plan is play Delver, Dazer Spell, Wasteland, your land. Like, it's like autopilot, and people right. just yeah they, they don't account for they're just not used to playing against the deck I guess yeah um, and just a, a lot of people make really really um, if you if you really understood how the depth deck ran they look like easy mistakes but people make them all the time mm-hmm. I was watching Eternal Weekend that the Dark Depths deck won and it was just a litany of errors by the opponents. Like, and this is in the top eight of a, I forget how many players that was, maybe 700, 800 players, something yeah. like that. But and some of the best legacy eight. players around. Yeah, this is, well, I don't know. Maybe not in the top eight, but yeah, I don't know better who, attending I don't these know tournaments. Players, yeah. Personally, but, but there were many, many mistakes made against the depth sec, like the death and taxes player not leaving up a Krakus or tapping a wasteland and thinking a flying blocker was good, not playing around step. You know, just a lot of things that they, if they knew the in and outs of the deck, the, the results would have went the other way. Hmm. But players just, I guess, don't see it enough to really get the reps in against it to, to really hone in on that. So you, you get a lot of, not necessarily free wins, but you get, you get percentages that you don't, that you wouldn't get running a more standard deck. Sure. I think, you know, some, something kind of similar that I've had in my own, um, practice as well was when Eldrazi first came out. I think it was in a similar spot where a lot of people didn't know how to attack the deck, and people were trying to like main deck moats and do all these kind of crazy things, you know, that just really weren't that effective against the deck. Um, and now it's it's kind of fallen quite a bit because I think people have adjusted to that deck and know how how best to attack that deck. So, do you are you ever concerned that like if Dark Depths like the combo deck keeps kind of rising or putting up solid results that it that will something similar will happen then or do you think that just kind of the way that most legacy main decks are they're just not equipped uh in general to deal with your game plan um i don't think the deck's ever going to become that much bigger if at all to be honest Mm -hmm. i think too many people view it as a glass cannon deck a lot of people view it as um a worse version of actual lands (laughs) so even people that are attracted to the stage depths combo can just run red green lands or red green black black lands or those kind of decks that they feel are better against whatever field that they normally play. Um, and I don't know. I've been putting up some decent results with it for almost two years now, and it's never on any of the tracking sites. It's never gone above like two two and a half percent. So unless it's spike, and it just won Eternal Weekend over the summer yeah. or, in the, or in the fall. So if in the six months since Eternal Weekend it hasn't picked up, I, I don't That's know that really anything... interesting. I don't think anything's going to convince people to really uh, dive in. Huh. That's interesting. I mean, I, I, I know we've kind of talked about it before, but it's, it's, this is certainly a deck that I want to uh, learn a little bit more about because it seems like it's 
kind of fun to play, actually. I've always thought the Dark Depths um, combo was pretty cool, and making the 2020 seems pretty awesome. So um, it kind of, I don't know, it's, it's you know, it doesn't necessarily appeal to my spike side, even though the deck clearly, like, puts up a lot of good results. Um, but it certainly seems like a, like a fun deck to play. So uh, we'll yeah. definitely be getting that into that uh, in a, at a later date for sure. Yeah. I think another thing with it is people, I don't know, it's hard to take... They look at it, I think, and see a deck that does one thing, mm-hmm. and they think. And I've had many people say that the deck looks boring to play, and just in in playing out the matchups, it has several just really interactive matchups and just little interplay. You know, whether it's stage copying any number of different lands, um, you know, especially in like matchups like against red green lands or against death and taxes, where you're copying ports or copying like trading off copying ghost quarters in the lands matchup where no one can play depths until a certain point mm. it's just really interesting interplay across especially the miracles matchup too like the deck has a lot of decision points that aren't obvious at first blush mm-hmm. um, and i've been playing it for two years and i haven't gotten bored but i think a lot of people see this kind of list and go oh you're just making a mariolage every uh <laughs> Every yeah. game. This, I this guess makes... people like if they look at the list and they think that, but honestly, like I mean, you and I have gone to play a handful of times in the in the CLL, and I've never found our games to be boring at, at like at all. Um, even though you know, I mean, I'm playing usually like a blue deck and you're playing this deck, but I never find them to be boring. I always feel like they're very interactive, and we both have a chance to win the game. And um, yeah, it. it I think that people who just kind of look over a deck list at and at first blush kind of have their own just kind of pass it over and give it a, a thumbs up or thumbs down. It doesn't really appeal to me. I think you have to really kind of dig into the deck a little more and, and play it and, or at least watch it being played to really be able to make those kind of, you know, assumptions or come to those conclusions. I agree. Um, okay, cool. So um, tell me about some of the weaknesses of the deck. I mean, I, I know we've kind of talked about the strengths. What are, what do you find like to be the drawbacks of playing the deck? Uh, well, the biggest drawback is you're resigning yourself to not playing all of the cantrips in the format. <laughs> if if I if my main concern was to just win tournaments or do as well as possible, there's no way you would have me on a deck that didn't have four ponders, four brainstorms as the starting point. Mm-hmm. So I think in some ways you're kind of half-tying a hand behind your back playing a deck that doesn't do that. <laughs> um, but I enjoy the deck. Um as much as I like the mana base, as far as not getting color screwed or mana screwed, generally speaking, it's it's a terrible deck to run against uh, the mass destruction cards or the mass altering cards. Mm-hmm. You run in you run into a deck that powers out Blood Moon. It's basically a race. Can you can you combo before they Blood Moon, or can you keep Decay or Grip up before they Blood Moon? Um, against Miracles, they have From the Ashes set up. In certain situations, you're just going to lose. Um, that's it's definitely it's definitely soft to certain cards like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now, this is kind of sort of more um, uh, uh, I don't know, kind of outside the box thing. But what kind of players do you think want to play this deck? If you were going to recommend this deck to somebody, what sort of a uh, person do you think would play this deck? Um, I think anybody that enjoys combo decks would enjoy this because it's not that far off from a combo deck. You're essentially Early on, you're, you're throwing some amount of disruption or discard at them and following it with a combo. And so anyone that enjoys that that kind of gameplay, getting a second or third crack at the combo, yeah, that kind of thing's fun. Um, I enjoy playing red-green lands a lot, too, online. So I think anyone that enjoys the land-based combo 
would enjoy this as a change of pace that has significantly different matchups than they do. Um, they're better in grindier situations by far, but this deck is way better against combo, um, and this deck is way better against graveyard heat. Like, this deck does not care about graveyard heat at all, which uh, I've heard several lands players complain that the, the reanimator decks that have been running around have been making their life a lot harder with surgical extraction being everywhere and those type of things. So if you want to change a piece that's better against combo and, you know, doesn't rely on the graveyard, this is a good place to play. Nice. Um, all right, cool. And one of the things I thought was pretty neat about the deck too, and something that we generally will talk about on the cast, just because uh, we have people who are brand new to the format, uh, people returning to kind of legacy and also um, established players, but the deck is pretty reasonably priced, um, all things considered. You know, coming in around 1600 bucks or 440 ticks online. The black-green version is actually even a little bit more affordable. I think the um, online version is right around 300 ticks and, you know, just over $900 for the for the deck in paper, uh, which are, I think are extremely, extremely reasonable. Yeah, the, the black-green version is actually 229 on on Moto. <laughs> oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so um, it is. It is a it is a nice budget deck that I think is very strong. Yeah, totally. Um, now tell me, how do you think it fares versus the current meta? And I just kind of threw up here the first like four or five that came to mind, which was Miracles, Bugly of Old, which I've seen a lot online. I don't know how much you've seen online. Um, Grixis Delver, which kind of seems to be the or the four color Delver deck, really, I guess, and like a typical Storm deck. Um, where do you see those matchups for for the Hex Depths deck? Um, I think it's very favorable for next steps against any bug deck. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel very comfortable playing against anything, or in shardless, Leval, Delver, whatever. Um, that that feels feels very very positive. Um, Delver decks are very positive matchups. Mm-hmm. Um, you might think that you might think that they're not with the four wastelands, but I've never really had a problem with Delver decks. They yeah. they re- they range from basically a buy against the blue red version <laughs> to to very good for the yes. four wastelands heavy yeah. disruption versions. Um, you know, a lot of their sideboard cards don't necessarily matter. You know, sometimes they'll bring in submerge. It's really easy to play around submerge, not expose a forest. Um, some of the the versions of black are you're seeing a diabolic edict here and there, so that can be kind of annoying, um, but other than that, it's just basically playing through the wasteland, which isn't that tough. Um, Storm, Storm for me, I don't know if I'm the right person to ask as far as that because I'm, you know, I have four fluster storm or three fluster storms yeah. <laughs> and a stifle in addition to all the normal disruption. Mm-hmm. So my storm matchup feels very good. I'm not 100% sure how it plays out um, post board against the black green version. Sure. I guess it depends on what their board is, whether it's Sphere of Resistance, Chalice, or whether they're not running anything like that. Yep. Um, Miracles is a tough matchup for any version of Dark Depths. They're just set up across the board. You have to fight them on top, otherwise they can just hide their answers indefinitely. So you're forced into spots where you have to bring in cards like Pithing Needle, where they're running some number of wear tear, possibly an explosives or two, mm-hmm. possibly a council's judgment, and they have infinite infinite dig to go through their deck and find cards to answer it. So you're running you're running against a deck that at its at the best case scenario, you're looking at four plows, four terminus, and maybe one to two copies of a mass land destruction spell, either from the ashes or maybe a couple blood moons, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And and that's assuming they're not on the Legends version. If they're on the Legends version and you're fighting through Caracas um, and Benzer too, that's even more miserable. Um, so Miracles is not the deck I want to be playing against. But 
Yeah, and it's something we also kind of mentioned in the in the pre-show as well. Like a deck that has uh, access to Snapcaster and uh, Jace's. It, the Snapcaster basically doubles up their removal spells as far as swords go, and Jace becomes a real problem if you're not able to deal with it immediately. So um, certainly, like it seems like you'd be struggling against miracles for sure. Yeah, Jace, Jace isn't as big of a problem as I think it should be. I think a lot of people... I think one of the bigger mistakes I've seen other people make with depth decks is they just... They just try to jam it. They'll try to jam the combo, and then they'll try to jam the combo again. Mm-hmm. And that's that's just that's just a losing line against miracles almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, every once in a while you'll sneak it through early, and you'll you'll just get them. But more often than not, that's a losing line. What you, what's the better line more often than not is trying to set it up where you force them to do nothing. So if they're light on lands, and you can basically not necessarily combo until you either set up crop rotation plus counterspell or crop rotation plus not it's or whatever, depending on your version until you set up some defense where you can combo and have a defense, you know, they can't just tap out for a Jace. Hmm. So you're looking at late into the game before Jace comes down, they have to have probably five or six lands before it's even an option. Um, unless they have some other setup like click and they think they'll be able to block, but that's not reliable. Um, so I think being patient sometimes is the best line against that deck, but I don't know that that's necessarily a line many people take because it feels miserable when you're right. sitting there when you're sitting there passing turns with miracles and you know, especially if they have a top on the board or yeah. or you know, and at the end of your turn they're they're either brainstorm fetching or topping and they're just sculpting. It feels miserable, but sometimes you can set up a winning line through that. Yep, and. Sometimes if you just go for it on turn three, they answer it and then either untap while you're tapped out and jam Jace or untap and jam Blood Moon or <laughs> untap and jam from the ashes. So it's yeah. kind of like a pick your poison type of thing. Yeah. Sometimes patience, even though it seems wrong, is, is the way to go. There there are definitely the players that I've, I've found myself in the same situation, especially playing Blue Red Delver, which is like, you know, if you don't get them like, like early, you're not going to get them at all. And it gets to the point where you're just kind of like, well, either they have it or they don't. But you're saying that like a little bit of patience, you can really kind of sculpt. You can sculpt a winning line against miracles if yeah, it depends. With a little depends. Bit of luck and, and and the right the right play. Yeah, it depends on your setup because you do have you do have access to wasteland ghost quarter. You do have access to eight discard spells. You do have access to four crop rotations in the step. Um, the black green version has access to not of this world. Um, some of them run summon library, so you can try to dig to a push, but you generally don't want to just jam Hex Mage, make your guy, and pray. Like right. You want to have, unless you've seen their hand, I mean, if you've seen their hand and they have no answer and they only had a turn to draw it, sure, sure, you jam it, but right. if you haven't disrupted them, just jamming on turn three is usually a pretty bad plan. All right, Um. well, uh, that's probably all we're going to go through the deck today, but I know that we have some... Uh, uh, some people who are really interested in this episode, and we have more questions. Um, if you're interested, Tom, we'd love to have you back on again and kind of go, uh, kind of do a level two on this one in a few weeks if people have uh, more questions about the deck and, um, you know, are really interested in it. Sounds good. Awesome. Cool. So um, just some other news real quick. We're going to run through. We're not going to get too much into the commentary on it, but just want to acknowledge it in the cast. Uh, so Modern Masters 2017, the spoilers have started coming out for that. Um, and the two big ones that we've seen are Goblin Guide and the um, Onslaught, uh, the the Zendikar fetches at rare, uh, both at the rare slot rather, which I think is great. I'm very excited because it's going to let me 
because uh, I've, I've been waiting on purchasing my Scalding Tarns for my Blue Red Delver deck on Magic Online, and I only have two of them in paper that I bought when I was at GP Columbus that are, like, totally beat to hell. So um, I think we'll see the prices of those fetches really drop, and Goblin Gad's going to be a little bit more affordable because that's, like, a $30 card right now. So I'm excited to see both of those. Are You, you don't you don't play any of those. You don't play any modern, do you, uh, Tom? Uh, I do not play modern now. Yeah, me either. Me either. I, I like the <laughs> I like the implications for fetches in 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 legacy though. I think that's great. So right now, uh, scalding tarns are like uh, I think like uh, like moderately played are like seventy dollars in paper. So yeah, I need I need to find out. Uh, I need to become friends with a leaker so I can <laughs> so I can mitigate the uh, sell off these cards before they come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw the uh, the Magic Online price of the scalding tarns went from like. 22, which I was just not going to pay $80 for for a couple fetches online, and they've dropped to like half that price now already in just a day. So um, hopefully we'll see them plummet even further, and I can pick them up for like pick up four copies for like 10 bucks. That's what I'm hoping for. That that that's probably asking a lot. Yeah, I mean they're at 11, so I mean 250 a copy. Uh... Maybe maybe five <laughs> bucks a copy, maybe five to seven bucks a copy. I'd be happy with that, but yeah, I could see that. Um, all right, so Tom, if someone wants to uh to get a hold of you, where can they find you? I I know you're on Facebook. Um, do you do Twitter? I know you stream a little bit too. Where can they find you, man? No, I do. I don't do Twitter. I'm Tom Hep on Facebook, um, or on the Source, or MTGO, or Twitch. I'm Negator77. Okay. Awesome. And uh, you can find me at Pat Uglo on Twitter. Uh, you can search for me, uh, search for the Leaving Legacy page on fa- Facebook. That's a great place to get a hold of us as well. Um, and I'm also streaming twitch.tv slash Pat Uglo. I usually stream the Community Legacy League pretty much every Wednesday, 830 Eastern, and you can watch me most weeks getting crushed by Tom. So... Uh, <laughs> Um, now, uh, now Tom, we don't do, we don't do shout outs on the show. We do scoops in the top eight. Um, so do you have anyone you want to scoop in the top eight this week? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> no, no concessions. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Frankie right. would be very proud of you, my friend. <laughs> got to earn that top eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jerry had some he wanted, since he's not here, I'm going to have to do some scoops for him today. He wanted to scoop in, uh, Scholars Games and Brockton Mass. Um, they ran a, uh, Winter Duels tournament this weekend. Um, they actually had a really good showing up there. They had 50 players for an awesome event. Um, he also said that Judge Gill ran a really, really great Really, really great event up there, so wanted to scoop them both in the top eight. And uh, Josh Sissio, local player, friend of the cast, um, he split the finals with his bug control brew, and uh, Jerry wanted to scoop him in the top eight as well. And uh, I'm going to scoop you in, Tom. I know we say no concessions, but really, really appreciate you coming on the show this week. Um, you know, you're someone that I've gotten to know pretty well through the CLL, uh, through doing the cast for them as well, and just kind of getting a chance to talk with you here and there um throughout the week so really glad you got a chance to come on here i think uh people will be very excited to hear about this deck and kind of hear your take on it as well i appreciate you having me on but if you ever scooped me again i'm dropping (laughs) i love it i love it so this week since jerry's not here we're gonna skip we're gonna skip the dice game i'm gonna choose the outro music and uh the listeners can just uh just deal with it (laughs) all right uh thanks again for hanging out guys hope you all have a great monday and uh we'll talk to you next week Throw your diamonds in the sky if you feel the vibe The rock is still alive every time I rhyme Forever, ever, forever, ever, 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 ever Still, people
never lose hands, legs, arms for real. Little was known on Sierra Leone and how it connects to the diamonds we own. When I speak of diamonds in this song, I ain't talking about the ones that be blown. I'm talking about Rockefeller, my home, my chain. These ain't conflict diamonds, is they Jacob? Don't lie to me, man. See a part of me saying, keep shining. How? When I know where the blood diamonds Though it's thousands of miles away Sierra Leone connect to what we go through today Over here it's the drug trade We die from drugs Over there they die from what we buy from drugs The diamonds, the chains, the braces, the charms is I thought my Jesus peace was so harmless Till I seen a picture of a shorty armless And here's the conflict It's in a black person's soul to rock that gold Spend your whole life trying to get that ice Paula Paula rugby, it looks so nice How could something so wrong make me feel so right? Right? Before I beat myself up like Ike You can still throw your rocket for the diamond tonight Because Throw your diamonds in the sky if you feel the vibe The rock is still alive every time I rhyme I got it from here, yeah, damn. The chain remains, the gang is intact. The name is mine, I'll take blame for that. The pressure's on, but guess who ain't gonna crack? <laughs> Pardon me, I had to laugh at that. How could you falter when you're the rock at your balls? I had to get off the boat so I could walk on water. This ain't no tall order, this is nothing to me. Difficult takes a day, impossible takes a week. I do this in my sleep. I sell kilos of coke. I'm guessing I could sell CDs. I'm not a businessman, I'm a businessman. Let me handle my business, damn. Kanye's, you got me. Freeway to Foxy. YG's, Tierra Marie. PD, watch me. Bleak and one hit away his whole career As long as I'm alive, he's a millionaire And even if I die, he's in my will somewhere So he could just kick back and chill somewhere Oh yeah He don't even have to write rhymes A dynasty like my money lasts three lifetimes Shelly Bass is in the rear Saying exactly what I was saying Practically my whole career The diamond is fab I've been mining this forever Now the Louis Vuitton dawns Time it couldn't be better Titanic sinking Instead we rose from the ash like a phoenix If you're waiting for the end of the dynasty sign It will seem like forever It's a mighty long time I'm young bitches 